You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. It's good to be with you this morning as we kick off a new season in the life of the church. It's also Happy New Year. Uh, Today is the first day of the Christian New Year. It's the first Sunday in Advent. It's where we begin to tell the story all over again. As we await with patience and courage for the coming of our Lord. Our scripture lesson today comes from the book of Isaiah, the second chapter, beginning with the first verse. It'll be on the screens, and it's also in your Bible. Let me say, the, there, there's this weird kind of blinking going on uh, with the lights. It's not a strobe effect. It's not like a concert. There's not a, a smoke machine that's going to come later. Uh, there's a, literally, a, that's why it's really dark right here. It's not for dramatic effect. It's uh, the board needs to be fixed. So we're working on that. So just, um, it's not for dramatic effect. It's just, we'll figure it out. Ah, scripture. And the word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills, all the nations shall stream to it. Many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It happens every year. So frankly, I'm surprised when I'm surprised. We gather the kids into the minivan. We take everything that we need. And then we go to celebrate what some call Thanksgiving, but we call it the Grand South Louisiana Tour. And it happens every year. I don't know why I'm surprised. Uh, About 30 minutes into the trip, And some of you saw a snippet of that experience on Facebook. If you haven't seen it, just log on later and and you'll see. Undoubtedly, about 30 minutes into the trip, someone says, are we there yet? Now, the conversation is cordial at first. No, we're not there. Uh, Our first landmark is Natchitoches. That's where we stop and we use the facilities because you didn't use the bathroom before we left. And then about 30 minutes after Natchitoches, someone says, Dad, are we there yet? No, not yet. Our next landmark is Alexandria, where we stop and we get a snack because you didn't eat breakfast like we told you to. And then what happens eventually after Alexandria, the conversation just disintegrates. And it's, it's mass chaos. You know, are we there? So what it, it starts, uh, it starts as frustration. Are we there yet? Does it look like we're there yet? We will be there when the car stops. And when we get out and we see familiar faces in familiar places. 
And then, and then it moves from, from frustration to apology. I'm sorry, guys. I'm, dad, daddy's just a little, you know, it's, it's no, we're not there yet. You know, but look, look at the clock. We'll be there at two o'clock. Is it two o'clock yet? No, so we're not there yet. But yeah, I'm sorry I lost my temper. And then it becomes, parents will recognize this, it becomes a hostage situation where you start to promise things. Like, I'll get you a Kit Kat if you just close your mouth for 15 minutes. You know, or here, here, write something on the list for Santa. Well, whatever you want, just please, please be quiet. <laughs> so from frustration to apology to downright uh, hostage negotiation, maybe you've been on these trips before, and we're surprised every year. Oh, what a great idea. Let's go visit family for an entire week. And then we, while on the journey, <laughs> realize the error of our ways. In, in Advent, in the season of Advent, we're going to be talking about over the next four weeks the difference between almost and altogether. Almost and altogether. And the difference is something like this. Being in a place of almost is like looking at the GPS. You've put the address in, but you stare at it. You look at all the turns, make sure it doesn't deviate. And place of being all together is you've put the address in the GPS, you're going to trust that it gets you there. And therefore, it frees you up to have conversations and to play car games and all of these things and enjoy your surroundings, all the surroundings that aren't road signs, right? You're trusting. You've put in the work. You've done it. It's going to get you where you need to be. Now, John Wesley, in seven, he's the founder of Methodism, in 1741, uh, delivered a sermon called the, All, the Almost Christian. The Almost Christian. So there's being an almost Christian and an altogether Christian. Now, hear me. When I say almost Christian, I don't mean that they're out and the altogether Christians are in. An, altogether, an almost Christian, I'm going to screw that up a hundred times in the next four weeks. The almost Christian has the markers of Christianity. They attend worship, they're pleasant, they're generous, they give regularly, and yet there's still something missing. Being an almost Christian does have some value, but it's not altogether there. And again, if you're saying, look at all those almost Christians, but then look at me, the altogether Christian I'm getting into heaven, that just means you're not an altogether Christian. <laughs> So it's not, are you in or are you out? And we really have to shift our thinking away from that in Christianity. It's about the Holy Spirit. It's about resurrection. It's about responding to the grace that is given to us, not a checklist of who's in and who's out. Being almost does have value. And it's the difference between sending a get well card versus actually praying and hoping that they get well. It's the difference in going to the end of the year award ceremony so that your child sees you and actually being present and celebrating that they met their reading goal. Being almost has value, but there is so much more to the life of Christ. And we start with coming to an altogether peace. If we don't have peace with ourselves, with our neighbor, with our God, there's little else that we will be able to accomplish. 
So we start from moving from an, an almost peace to an altogether peace. And here's the difference. An almost peace is simply lack of conflict. That's an almost peace. And sometimes that's the best you can do. Um, you've been to Thanksgiving this week. <laughs> sometimes the best thing at Thanksgiving is you sit over there, I'll sit over here, no one talks about politics or religion or even football, let's just all have turkey and give thanks to God. That, that is an, that's an almost peace. Yes, there may be peace and there may be no conflict, but there is no reconciliation, there is no healing, there is no mending of past wounds. Again, almost peace has value, but there's more. There's more to it. For example, a couple of weeks ago, I was in Little Rock, and I heard a presentation uh, from someone who is a part of the Little Rock Nine. Do you know the Little Rock Nine? Uh, nine African-American children who were escorted by uh, federal troops to go to school, to, to go to Little Rock High uh, after, after segregation had ended. Uh, we heard uh, from the, the woman who was not in the Little Rock Nine, but was in the class right, right after that. You know, they canceled high school for a year in uh, Little Rock after that. So they took a break from high school for a year. The year after that, they resumed, and there was one African-American in her class that following year. She was completely alone. And she said, out of three years of attending that high school, only two people spoke to me. One was a foreign exchange student who had no idea what was going on. And the second was her dad, who was the French teacher, or her uncle, who was the French teacher. Only two people spoke to her for the entirety of her high school career, which at that time was three years. They didn't even invite her to the class reunions until 20 years later. 20 years later, they invited her and she came and they apologized and we said, we're so sorry, we were so rude to you and we were so sorry that we haven't invited you to our reunions, we're glad you're here. And she just very politely said back, what makes you think I wanted to come to the reunion? She had talked about the importance of having a stoic courage. She said, if I was boisterous, if I was violent, if I was loud, the troops would have never let me enter into the school. But she went to the school, she did what was being asked of her, and now she has a doctorate at Columbia. She's doing all right. But she said, and this is fascinating, she said, if I was loud, if I was boisterous, if I was violent, that means I do not trust in God's justice. Because I'm trying to enact justice all on my own. So she had a stoic courage. She was unwavering. She was unmoving. That's what it means to turn the other cheek. It does not mean to be a doormat. It means I'm not moving. If the earth quakes and the storms rage and the fire burns, I'm here. And I'm not going anywhere. Now, I may be wrong about the importance of a stoic courage. Some of our friends will say, no, you have to speak truth to power. You have to be belligerent. You have to stir the pot. And there is a value to that. Jesus, too, overturned the money-changing tables. 
But in this case, having a stoic courage just might have changed the world. John Wesley talked about an altogether Christian as one who unwaveringly trusts in God. An altogether Christian is one who unwaveringly trusts in God. Doesn't trust in the situation, doesn't trust in our own ability, doesn't trust that we're going to make Sunday school every Sunday of the year. But trusts that whatever happens, we can trust in God. Part of that is the Advent discipline. Every year we await, and, and, and I love how scripture says this, creation groans together, awaiting for our Messiah and our Lord. Christ is coming. Christ has come, but there is still work to do. Moving from an almost Christian to an altogether Christian does not mean that we should do more, necessarily. Often it means we are called to do less. To invest ourselves in the things that really matter and to have the spiritual maturity to let go of the things that don't. Yes, with an almost peace, there might be a lack of conflict. You sit over there, I'll sit over here, let's just eat our turkey. But an altogether peace is a peace in which we have found shalom, which means wholeness. Yes, it means peace, but it's a, it's a peace that results in wholeness and healing. Jerusalem, or, or Uru Salem. Uru Salem means the foundation of peace. Our scripture lesson today uh, says that uh, the, the word of God shall flow from the foundation of peace. The word of God shall flow from Jerusalem. Uru Salem. This, in other words, until we are at peace, are we really proclaiming the word of God in the way that God is calling us to? To find wholeness, to find healing. But we might not be there yet. It's like being on a trip. You have everything you need. You're going in the right direction. But if we're not mindful, things will disintegrate unless we trust that we'll get there. That's one of the reasons why we light a candle, the candle of peace. And one of my favorite things is, is, uh, is the first candle that we light, uh, and these are, these are real, uh, these are real candles, so you'll see them get shorter every week. That's not a mistake. Uh, but it's great to, as we move from Sunday to Sunday, will Christ be born before our peace with one another runs out. The Advent wreath is a lesson in and of itself. Will there be enough peace on earth to recognize Christ's presence within it? Or will the candle be snuffed out? Because we cannot find an altogether peaceful place. So may we begin the season searching for an altogether peace we may be here, we may be at an almost peace, just lack of conflict, just you're in your corner, I'm in mine. That's okay if that's where we need to begin. But know that there is more. There is shalom. There is healing. And there is wholeness. 
And that healing and wholeness is found in Christ, the one who offered his life for us. The God who put on flesh and walked among us, knowing full well who we were as people and chose to walk with us anyway. May we choose to walk with one another. May we strive for an altogether peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, we call you the Prince of Peace, and we pray that it is true. The one with all authority, the one with all power, the one with all majesty who is born humbly as a child, reminding us of our childlike dependence upon God. The one who offers us everything that we need, the one who has put us on the path. Father, give us the courage and the strength to trust in what you have offered so that we might find an altogether peace. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.